94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. The Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Morning. Good morning. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let's uh, dive right in. I, I wonder if you can help our listeners sort out what's going on. And, um, you know, so much news. We just reported this morning, you know, the mix and match boosters for Moderna and J&J, uh, you know, be, getting uh, the, one of the green lights. Also, vaccines for ages 5 to 11 um, also being debated right now. If you can help our listeners sort of understand when these things might happen in Hawaii and are these safe and effective. Yes. Okay. So that's a pretty big question, and uh, I appreciate it. So yes, we've had the approval now to do boosters, and that includes Pfizer, which started a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson. Now let's let's go through this uh, somewhat um, as an overview first. They have approved, like you said, uh, what's called heterologous vaccinations, which means you can cross over. So people are not going to have to worry about a mistake if they had. Johnson & Johnson, and then they happen to get a booster of Moderna or Pfizer. So I don't want anyone to worry. Uh, In fact, it's been very effective, and it's okay. It's cool to do that. Now, the most straightforward thing to do is if you've had two Pfizer shots, I did that. I had two Pfizer shots more than six months ago. You go and get a booster. And the same thing applies to Moderna. You had two shots more than six months ago you're eligible for a booster. Although we are prioritizing boosters for those, first of all, who are elderly, our kupuna, that's important because those are the individuals with the highest risk of getting very sick. And so just like when we started the vaccination program back on December 15th last year, we encouraged our kupuna first to get vaccinated. So we're doing that. We're going to nursing homes again. We're vaccinating people. Mm -hmm. Also, if you're not 65 or older, and I know 65 is not so old these days, but if you're not 65 or older, but you've got chronic disease, you're also eligible to go get a booster. So if you've got bad diabetes or kidney disease, you've got cancer, go get a booster. Go get a booster. And once again, I recommend if you had Pfizer twice, go get another Pfizer because you know how your body deals with it. If you had Moderna twice, go get another Moderna shot. Again, six months, been six months for a lot of people, go get that booster. Now, the Johnson Johnson's a little bit different. Johnson Johnson people, as you know, only had to have one shot. And it was pretty good. It ended up being 60, 65% protective against severe disease and hospitalization. But they now know that if people get a second shot, a second Johnson Johnson shot, they're getting a ton of extra immunity. It takes them over 90%. And if you had that first Johnson Johnson shot, you're fully allowed to go and get a Moderna or a Pfizer shot. And in that case, it's giving people a big increase in their antibody response. The Moderna one was the, the top one. So I guess if you're asking for my advice and you had the Johnson & Johnson and you want to go get one of the others, go get a Moderna shot. And it increased your antibodies like 75 times higher. So tons of extra immunity. Uh, and so you'd go do that. And it's a good time to do it because soon we're going to be gathering for Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And what people should be aware of is the vaccines have been really effective. They've been safe, but people's immunity does start to wear off after six, seven, eight months. So go get a booster. It prevents uh, serious illness. And you can see that it's been working. We've now gotten over 93.7% of all of our eligible people at least one shot. And you could see our, our positivity rate plummet. We were down to 1.68% yesterday, and our hospital number is down to 73. That's an 84% decline from our peak on September 3rd. 
so it's going well. You asked the basic question, should we get a should we get a booster? The answer is yes. And also, probably more importantly, strongly consider getting shots for your children age 5 to 11, uh, like our son Sam, 11 uh, years old, is going to get vaccinated because, once again, we want to protect the kids. And when they see their grandparents or their aunties or uncles, we want to protect them, too. As a follow-up question, uh, one was a cla- just to clarify, with Johnson & Johnson, if I understand correctly, the, the time that folks are recommended to wait after their initial shot is shorter than the two-shot regimen. That one, they are recommending a two-month, anytime after two months to go get the booster. Is correct. that correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. And then the other thing I wanted to ask, what's the rush about getting kids vaccinated the vaccine doesn't stop them from getting the virus and passing it on to others uh she said with children being less susceptible to the virus why vaccine like what's the rush why vaccinate all children well there's a lot of reasons to do it first of all it's safe second of all there's not a rush we've been we've been in a global pandemic now for 19 months that has killed innumerable people adults mostly uh, but children will spread the virus back to their families if they catch it to their parents if they're unvaccinated or to their grandparents who are vulnerable. So it's, it's not a rush. It's simply an act of prevention. People should talk to their pediatricians. I'm not saying every child needs to get vaccinated. That's a deeply personal decision for people to make. But in Hawaii, for our adolescents age 12 to 17, two-thirds of all those children have completed vaccination, and our, our hospitalization and case counts are really low. If you get vaccinated, you are much less likely to catch or spread the virus. It's like eight to 10 times less likely to catch the virus. And then in addition to that, you're far less likely to end up hospitalized or dying. Only one to 2% of all of our fatalities have been amongst people who are vaccinated. The other 98% plus are individuals who are unvaccinated who succumb to the virus. So that's another reason. And so two thirds of our Keiki 12 to 17 have gotten completion and we're better off than basically any other state. 77% have initiated, and that has meant that we've had less spread in the schools. If we don't vaccinate our children, eventually they will catch the Delta variant, and it'll spread like wildfire in schools. Some teachers will catch it. Some workers in the schools will catch it, and that's not something we want. But um, Jessie probably is not in support of vaccination, and that's why her question tilts a little bit that way, and that's okay. You know, there's other things you can do. You can be very good with mask wearing. You can do... Uh, homeschooling or distance learning if you need to. We want to support everybody in their decisions. But just to say that it's not a rush when you have a global pandemic that has shut down society, that has overflowed hospitals and has killed our elderly, there is an urgency. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, Josh Green joining us here. As a quick follow-up, are there any other studies that are out there regarding the safety of this for kids as far as the, uh, the vaccine goes? And, 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 and along with that, just, just piggybacking on Devin's question. So, you know, Pfizer this morning released that study. They tracked about 2,000 kids in that age group, 5 to 11. And uh, that's where they're making their claim about the Pfizer, mm-hmm. boost, uh, the Pfizer shot for 5 to 11 being safe. But that's just 2,000 kids. And, and, you know, we're just wondering, do you feel like that's, that's rigorous enough? Like, is, how safe do you feel the shot is for 5 to 11-year-olds? Well, I do. And you have to also remember that millions and millions of children ages 12 to 17 have had the shot with safe uh, results. So we've staggered it. A lot of times vaccinations are open up to much broader age categories initially. And in this case, we've already seen and, and experienced it in our 
in our children who are not yet adults uh, in that age category. Then there was the Pfizer study, plus there are ongoing studies with the other vaccinations, and we have not seen any very negative profiles. But look, there are going to be people out there that worry, right? And that's reasonable. But it's unreasonable to be against vaccinations in general because they've saved us from innumerable terrible diseases. People felt the same way about polio vaccines. They felt the same way about uh, chickenpox vaccines. They felt the same way about the HPV vaccine. And in all these cases, it prevents disease. Sometimes it prevents terrible, terrible disease, like cervical cancer for, for HPV. And for polio, just talk to that whole generation of people who didn't have vaccinations and ended up being paralyzed. So, you know, I just refuse to go down this rabbit hole of opposing vaccinations out of fear. Mm. Now, if people want to wait a little bit, that's fine. Like you, you can see, I'm not complaining that it's two thirds and not not 90 percent of our adolescents getting vaccinated. Perfectly reasonable for that other third of parents, if that's where they are psychologically, to wait a little bit. Their children are at a slight increased risk of catching COVID, uh, but the other two thirds of, of society that has embraced that has really helped them out because there's a lot less virus around the schools and around the Ys and the soccer fields and the football fields. It's just good public health policy. Uh, but we can be conservative, and that's okay, too. Just, you know, the studies are good, they're solid, and there's millions and millions of shots that have gone into people. And though children are different, their physiology ultimately is not fundamentally different from adults. In other words, their immune system is going to respond similarly to a vaccine as an adolescent would, as a young adult would. It's not like we are, you know, we're not a different species. You know, we are still just different age categories. And so... I wouldn't worry about it. You've had, you know, billions now of shots given across the across the globe without any significant or obvious consequences. Um, so, look, people should decide what they want. I think right now it's much more of a cultural and psychological bias that prevents people from getting vaccinated rather than a legitimate biologic uh, reason. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, what is the ramp up for doing this to, to move it toward the kids as well? Um, uh, is there going to be some uh, uptick in people, in the plans? Uh, how is that going to roll out to the little kids? Yeah, it's very vibrant. We'll have a, over 150 spots, plus a lot of pediatricians' offices are now coming on board. And we will be advertising this all over the place. Our social media, which is, you know, at LTGov Josh Green, we'll be putting up uh, posts where we show sites where you can do it. A lot of the sites are very similar to before, including pharmacies, but also um, there'll be pop-up clinics. In fact, I'll tell you, although this one won't be for pediatrics, but we're going to keep doing things like our, our volunteer clinic uh, over in um, EVA this weekend. This weekend, we're going to be at the Ocean Point Community Center on Saturday morning, and I'll be doing some vaccinations and some testing from, uh, I'll probably get there around 1030 in the morning. They're going to be there from 10 to 2, but there'll be these pop-ups all over the place, and now um, that'll just be a new opportunity for people to, um, to do it with their kids. But t call your pediatrician, and they'll give you other heads up. And then, of course, our hospitals are all going to be doing it, too. Meanwhile, remember, there's, there's more than just the kids that are going to be vaccinated. I mean, there's 119,000 children to get vaccinated, 8.5% of our population. That will actually go pretty quickly if parents want to do it. But we have the entire population now to get boosters. And, um, you know, that's going to be very, very important because I want to see, you know, I want to see our, our society remain immune. And if they do remain immune, we're going to continue to be able to open up 
and recover and have our, you know, have our lives back. If we let our immunity fall off, then we'll start asking questions. Are we going to be susceptible to the Delta Plus variant? Are we going to be susceptible to the Mu variant, the MU variant? Are we going to be susceptible to whatever next variant comes up? And I think people will be glad to have COVID more in the rearview mirror in 2022 uh, rather than having to talk about it constantly for another year. So let's try to move forward. And again, I'm going to respect people's uh, different beliefs, but I I'm not going to step away from science. And science has suggested very clearly that we are a safer community for having had this uh, public health initiative. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Um, Sir, I wanted to know, talk about, you know, uh, about a week ago, we were talking about your call to drop all outdoor restrictions by November 1st and uh, and then dropping all indoor restrictions two weeks after that. And the reason, of course, you know, feeling that Hawaii is turning the corner in the pandemic gradually, at least. Um, What's the progress on that? Is that actually going to happen? And I wonder if you and Governor Ige and uh, Department of Health Director Libby Char, is everybody on the same page about this? Well, first, let me clean up your statement a little bit. Forgive me, Esme. I didn't call for getting rid of all indoor restrictions at all. I talked about first doing a um, pullback from outdoor restrictions and then maybe three weeks later beginning to pull back from indoor restrictions, but still keeping a mindful eye on wearing masks indoors. Okay. Uh, but gathering restrictions and sizes. And I don't mean to be critical, but I do need to make sure people understand really where I'm coming from. Got it. Uh, because our, our viral load is so low, we are getting safer. And outdoor activity should be encouraged. So I think that all of the mayors by November 1st will be very eager to have all the restrictions lifted outdoors. And I'm making this recommendation, although it's been evident for several weeks now that we could do this safely, I'm making that recommendation to coincide with what you saw the governor ultimately did announce, which we were working uh, the best we can to coordinate on uh, to open up travel safely back on November 1st. Because when travelers come in, it would be better if they went and took meals and went out to the beach and were out in open air. They will be vaccinated. They will be safe. They will be tested in some additional cases. But we really want people to be outdoors and encouraging outdoor activities and therefore the reduction in restrictions out there makes all the sense in the world. There's been very little spread outdoors. Now, as to the indoor uh, decision, which would come a couple weeks later, every day, every single day, I make recommendations to our team uh, broadly. It's about 20 people overall that are giving direct healthcare input to the, and, I, and there's hundreds of people that give additional indirect input, about 20 people that are from hospital CEO levels or chief operating levels or medical director levels or in Hyema that all need to talk to the mayors and the governor about where they are and whether they're safe or not. And that's how I recommend it to them. I do think that come Thanksgiving, if our rates continue to fall, then we will be in a spot where we can really pull back on some of the restrictions and simplify. We're now at 1.68% positivity. And as you know, it's dropped about 50% every two weeks. Uh, On the 6th, it was 3.32%. On the 22nd of September, it was 5.32% and so on. So, we're safer. We got to begin to approximate normal life if we can, uh, but we're not going to throw caution to the wind. You know, if you're unvaccinated under any circumstance, you should still do your best to be safe and not go to gatherings and to be masked. But now that over 93% of our people who are eligible have gotten a shot and starting in a week, kids are going to start getting vaccinated ages five to 11. There's just not a lot of people that can catch or spread COVID anymore. I would even go so far as to say the unvaccinated people have probably almost all caught COVID by now in some form or another. Most of them have had 
at least a, a mild, you know, a mild symptomatic case and probably have some immunity. So I want us to get back to normal. I also think that the psychological implications of, of not being able to do normal things like have turkey and stuffing or go out trick-or-treating or opening presents with your, your grandparents, that's a problem. And we've seen a lot of extra mental health problems as a result of COVID. So all of this is why I'm moving the, trying to move the needle towards getting back to normal. And we'll still watch the numbers daily just in case. So uh, stay tuned. Okay. All right. So I hear you. You are giving those recommendations to a, a good number of the leaders in our state uh, to try to decide when those outdoor restrictions would be eased and indoor as well uh, to some extent. So if you were a betting man, <laughs> what are the chances? Like, what are the chances that outdoor restrictions really would be dropped completely by November 1st. 50, about like 50%, 75%, 100%. sure are you that that will happen? Yeah, I'd say there's better than 50-50 odds that the mayors will um, will get rid of most of the outdoor restrictions by, by uh, November 1st. And if not November 1st, which is a Monday, uh, by that Friday, which is often when restrictions get relieved or mm-hmm. released. So I would not be surprised at all if, they really pull back, especially as our numbers decrease. And remember, there's this collateral benefit of having outdoor restrictions reduced means that more people are outdoors and not having private football parties, watching the football game from inside their living room with a bunch of people drinking beer, which is more risky than being in the stands would have been, frankly, in the open air. So that's, you know, there's a reason. In other words, there's a method to this, um, this madness, this <laughs> process of thought. Uh, so I think it's at least better than 50-50. And I encourage all the mayors constantly to, you know, to look at the numbers, to look at the science and to to make the best decision that they can to go toward normalcy. The normalcy argument is very relevant now. It also means that people can begin to open up their restaurants better. That's the indoor restriction reduction, right? That's where you can go, I'm hoping, to 75 percent uh, occupancy and then 100 percent occupancy as long as people are vaccinated, safe. You know, these are the kind of things that mean small businesses will survive and people will be confident that they can be safe. Uh, There's a lot of people I've seen in the hospital lately that have severe anxiety because they hear constant risk, constant uh, threats to their well-being and so on, even if they're vaccinated. We need to move past that because these are really consequential problems for people. So, you know, there's there is the. the fun of a little bit of back and forth politically. I know people do that and they, they say, he said, she said, but I'm just talking about the health of society. I'm not really interested in the politics. The health of society would suggest we should move steadily towards normal and be ready to pause. If we see the cases spike, be ready to be paused. If we saw another variant come here that we worried about, but, um, I'd like to see a normal Thanksgiving and Christmas and just don't go crazy. You know, don't have a giant party uh, with unmasked people. Don't do that. Of course, still be safe, but be, you know, be reassured that if you're vaccinated, you're pretty darn good. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank Lieutenant you. Governor. Uh, so this is from personal experience, cause I just came back from a trip and figuring out how to do the safe travels thing was interesting yes. because uh, when I was at the gate, there were people like, hey, do I, do I get a wristband? No, I don't get a wristband. With this airline, I don't get a wristband. I just have to sign up for the thing, post all of my information, and then get on the plane. And there were people getting off the plane, 
when they, when we got back home, and by the way, there were a lot of people on the plane um, yes. who had not uh, filled out the paperwork or I guess uh, done the thing online on their phones. So yes. is there something you want to recommend for people if they're going to, if they're about to take a trip, right? And they've never done this before. They're like, okay, how do we do the safe travels thing? Do I need to do this now? Uh, can you walk some people through that a little bit? Sure. So hawaiicovid19.com is the website. Go to the safe travels uh, button and click on that thing. And it's better to do it in advance. You really have to do it in advance to get your QR code so that you can avoid being sent to quarantine or having to sit there in the airport and try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So as everyone knows, you can either be vaccinated fully, which is both of your shots plus two weeks, or be tested within three days before your return at one of our trusted testing partners. And that's how you avoid quarantine. But some people, some airlines offer the band. Others just know that you're going to get in the line when you arrive here and you might have an hour going through the processing. Sometimes it's less, but you know, we had a lot of people returning. We've, we've averaged about 22,000 travelers total per day over the last two months. You remember baseline's about 32,000. Yeah, it's a little bit of a nuisance. We, Jamie and the kids and I traveled this summer to see our relatives, and uh, three of us were vaccinated, Maya, Jamie, and I, so we did it easily. But Sammy had to take the test because uh, at the time he was only 10. And uh, it's just, you know, we also had our little bit of, uh, you know, angst over it, and I'm the lieutenant governor. So, it's, <laughs> you know, it's... It's just it's funny because when you when you go to yeah. the mainland, yeah. they just set you off into the wild. Like you get off the plane and you just go, and then you come back home yeah. and you've got to fill out the paperwork. Like you got to do the uh, the questionnaire. My wife had to remind me. She's like, "Don't forget to do the questionnaire at least twenty four hours before you get on the plane." I'm like, huh, huh. "So I'm filling that out." Then I get off the plane and there's these big boxes outside where we get off the plane, and I'm like, "What's that for?" And you have to walk through that and show them your stuff and give them my ID. And I went, "Oh, this is." pretty major yeah. man <laughs> well this you just described exactly why we have the second lowest case rate in the entire country for the entire pandemic and the only one that's lower than us is vermont because nobody goes there <laughs> practically okay so oh, wow, wow. Know, yeah <laughs> so it's really you know we've really done a special job blocking the, the disease and also you know for the critics out there um which was purely political chatter but who said it doesn't fully protect. Of course, nothing fully protects you, but it was a part of a process. Not only did it knock down and knock out a lot of cases, but also people had to go through the process you just described to be thoughtful. Now, is it worth the headache, a two-hour headache and a test or a vaccination to avoid a, a bad surge of COVID? Yes, I would say so. It's all a demonstration of how interconnected we are, and a small amount of sacrifice is for the good of the many. This is about all of our public health and the, the public good and the way we proceeded has meant that we will recover way faster we were projecting 4,479 deaths in the first year instead we had closer to 400 we we're project, projecting 9,000 deaths total for the two years if we didn't do anything with the pandemic we've ended up having 880 I mean that's like eight or nine thousand lives that were saved and chronic uh, COVID we've had what we've had 82,000 886 confirmed cases, probably had another 100 or 200,000 cases. All those individuals who went through COVID have the risk of long COVID, maybe 10, 15, 20, 20%. We'll see. So it's worth it right now to do this. And 2022 should come with much less rigor, rigmarole. Eventually, 
eventually we will drop the safe travels program when especially America has vaccinated itself better. You know, only 58% of the United States is vaccinated. So 42% unvaccinated. A bunch of those people caught COVID, I got to tell you. And so they've got some antibodies. But um, in 2022, we'll feel safer. The governor will feel safer. And then we go forward together as one Ohana. All right. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Um, since we are talking about tourism, I wanted to follow up with a question about, you know, the latest developments. The uh, Governor David Ige this week, you know, rolled the welcome mat back out, basically saying non-essential travel uh, for fully vaccinated uh, travelers. Now, welcome again uh, to Hawaii. The Biden administration uh, recently said overseas travelers who are vaccinated, even if their doses are mixed, uh, they are uh, allowed into the United States starting November 8th. Um and I know a lot of business people are excited about, you know, possibly seeing more of an economic rebound. But I'm remembering also that when we had that big surge of visitors in the summer, a lot of people were expressing that they were worried that the surge was linked to more tourists in Hawaii. And I, I wondered, Lieutenant Governor, how, how do you respond to that? And, uh, you know, looking forward to hopefully more visitors coming. What steps, if any, are being taken to prevent a linked surge, I guess, is what we're looking at, or at least what people were hypothesizing was happening? Right. Well, you know, their hypothesis was wrong, but it's OK. It was clear that it was one to two percent of all cases because the Department of Health measured it were from travel. Now, there are additional cases if people don't take adequate you know, precautions to prevent community spread. The other 98 plus percent of the cases were our own returning residents, if they were unvaccinated, going back to work too soon or refusing to quarantine like they were supposed to if they were unvaccinated. So they, you know, were in Vegas. Most of the cases were coming out of Vegas, was my understanding. I mm-hmm. love Vegas, but in this case, it was, you know, what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. Okay, so... <laughs> You know, that they came back and they had an asymptomatic or a mildly symptomatic case of COVID and they went back to work with their buddies or went and watched the ball game and they spread COVID. So that was about 12% of the cases. And then everything else was community spread. It's not appropriate to just blame the, the tourists because it was, when it was travel related, it was mostly we who were traveling back if we were unvaccinated. And then the bottom line is you can't stay closed forever. There's just not a possibility that could happen. We would also see extreme economic suffering and hardship for most of our working families if we didn't begin to restore that part of our economy. So getting vaccinated is everything. Now we're, like I said, we're at like 70.8% of our whole society being fully vaccinated and 93.7% at least being initially vaccinated. Those numbers back on July 4th were way, way lower, okay? And so if you go back to, let's just say, what, when do you want me to go back to? Back to July 1st, we had done 1.68 million shots. As of today, we're like at 2.1 million shots. Mm. And so that's another 500,000 people or vaccine worth of immunity that we've been able to get in place. And, you know, there's this concept of herd immunity or at least widespread community immunity, which is what I prefer. It's occurred. That's why the numbers have dropped from crazy, crazy high numbers in uh, like late August, early September to quite manageable numbers here in, uh, you know, kind of the later part of October. So we shouldn't be dumb about it and we should be careful. But it's really important that people know that there's science behind this and also that they're okay. 
If they got vaccinated, they've done their part. They should not worry too much. I would worry more for individuals that are really holding out and might still be working in some kind of high-risk job. Okay. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor, we appreciate you spending the time with us. Uh, It's always always nice to hear from you. Yeah. I I love being with you guys, (laughs) and uh, and I, I appreciate the fact that these are not easy issues for people. They can be controversial, but I really... I'm so honored to have seen, uh, you know, our state come together as as one Ohana to to take care of one another and for the most part put health care and protection uh, ahead of any other, you know, just any other concerns. We're getting really close to the end of the acute phase of of the pandemic. And I think we're going to have a great holiday season. So thank you guys for that. Fingers crossed on that. And we say thank you again to the lieutenant governor of the state of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Hey, take care.